Microsoft kills a product, Google kills a product, and Microsoft also sort of gives us back a product. Happy Friday, friends. What a, what an interesting week. Hopefully you had a wonderful week and I, I actually had a pretty good week. I mean, I jazzed up the Bengals one last night and uh, yeah, so that's always putting me in a good mood. And then it's just, it's Friday and podcasting. It's an interesting week. Lots to talk about. A lot of questions in the hopper. And so let's, uh, let's just dive in my friends. Let's, let's dive into the news. So kicking things off here, the session catalog for Microsoft's upcoming Ignite conference is now online. And I got to tell you, there's only one thing and one thing only I want to hear about. And we'll wait and see if they talk about it and that's loops that is microsoft's previously known as fluid components i'm waiting for the loops app to come to uh to, to come to reality right now it's in this internal testing phase and we can't use it externally and it's, it's I, I want my loops i want my loops baby and so uh, i'm sure there'll be some great team stuff and other things but like loops are are the most interesting thing to me that Microsoft is currently working on that we know is coming. It's not coming out, at least in the productivity space. So you can go check out those sessions and there's always a lot of good content. Ignite is typically my favorite conference of the year. And that is uh, coming up here very soon. Microsoft says SwiftKey is, is no longer Swifty. Uh, They're getting rid of SwiftKey, which means, at least in my mind, I think if I understand this correctly, there's no more clipboard sync. Remember, that was a big feature that was supposed to be SwiftKey to get you to use SwiftKey on your, your mobile device, on your Android or iOS device, and then you could sync it from your desktop PC. Then you're, you'd have one clipboard to rule them all. And so that was like the primary attractive feature, at least for me. Uh, Microsoft did buy SwiftKey, and so now they're shutting it down. I think third-party keyboards have just kind of not really materialized in any meaningful way, at least as a business as a justifiable business, if you will. Uh, native keyboards have gotten pretty good. The clipboard sync is the one uh, that, that is interesting to me that just, I don't know, there's functionality in there and it thinks that it's going away. Uh, so we've got that. Uh, Microsoft is also expanding its web-based testing, or I should say, the Outlook testing. Uh, this is a the new Outlook app, I, I quote, quotes app, because it's it's like a web app, but it's Outlook on the web and whatever. Anyways, if you are an Office Insider, you can now use the new Outlook app. This is the one that's supposed to be replacing the Inbox Mail application. And so, yeah, you can go test that out. Here's... I bite my tongue on this one. Service Studio 3 has passed through the FCC and it, there were some images in there of the testing and it looks exactly the same. Uh, and worse than that, it sounds like the components inside are going to be 11th gen chips and last gen NVIDIA stuff, which just makes me a real sad Brad because we knew this was coming. This is how Microsoft always does it. It sounds like they get a bargain bin deal on some old hardware and they slap it in their fanciest desktop PC and then charge a whole bunch of money for it and just say, this is great. And why we all die on the inside. Um, we will wait and see. The Surface event here is uh, about, what, 10 days away, something like that. And we'll find out if that's true, which I suspect that it is, which is just a major bummer because it's so... It just feels so lazy, and Surface is supposed to be aspirational. Sure, the form factor looks great, but it's like, come on, guys. You're, you're, sh whatever. Um, Intel announced their 13th gen stuff this week. Real super interesting stuff here. We got to wait for the independent third-party benchmarks to come out to really judge any of these things. The, the couple notables here are, it looks like you're going to get a lot better performance down on the lower end. They basically just shoved more cores and, and they're using more power, which is just kind of the par for the course these days. Uh, but one thing that they did announce, aside from the new, the new chips, which I think is interesting, is the Unison app. 
So this is like, there's been the Dell version. There's been all these different, there's your phone. There's all these different third-party apps that allow you to sync your phone with your PC and make them feel a little bit more like one unit. And they're claiming that they're going to be able to work with iOS, at least from SMS messaging on your device. We'll have to wait and see once this app actually comes out, if it's as good as Intel promises. But hey, that's actually a, bit, a fair bit of positive news coming up that isn't just strictly related to chips. Also, Intel announced their GPUs uh, pricing as well. They're going to be competing with the 3060 is where Intel is basically going. It's like, yeah, they're not high-end performance chips. But honestly, I think people over-index on this, that the bread and butter of the market is always that mid-level segment. Not to mention, many of us, myself included, think uh, NVIDIA really screwed up pricing with the 4000 series. It's like, look, we got to make profit like we did last year and during the crypto craze. And so we're just going to jack up pricing. And these new Intel cards come in like sub 300 bucks for some relatively good performance. That is that is like mid-budget gaming quality stuff for that's like that's appealing to me. Granted, people are always like, we need a 4090 Ti competitor, which they haven't announced 4090 Ti, just 4090 competitor from Intel. It's like, no, you really don't. Remember Intel, Remember how AMD sort of got back into this? They always just targeted that 1080p gamer. And I think Intel will be able to target that 1080p gamer. And I think the return on investment for a graphic card these days, I think it's starting to diminish, right? There's, if you're a 1080p gamer, you have good solid options. If you're a 4K gamer, maybe uh, you might need some of these newer things or higher end stuff, but you still have options. Now you're just really getting into more of the edge level components, meaning, it, you know, the difference between like a 4090 and a 3090 is, yes, there is a difference. Yes, there is performance improvement, but is it that much? Like it, it's, you're, you're, you're really starting to split the hairs uh, to show these differences. And I think Intel, if they can continue to hold on, because there's these rumors too, although they did try to deny them that they were going to be leaving the GPU segment after really just getting started like this, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Just everybody just kind of hold on to your saddles and we'll, uh, we'll just wait and see here. Edge, the browser that everybody loves to love and use now kind of gets a little bloated, uh, is getting a little bit more native app-like. Their PWA experience, they're giving us back some pixels up top to make it look more native, which is really good. Uh, the reason why that's really good is for somebody like me. My company, we build window blinds, which we announced this week. If you want to make your PC look like Windows XP, we have the product for you. There you go. That's my pitch because it's a really cool piece of software. Either way, uh, this PWA update actually impacts us because now we can use these native functionalities to better skin the desktop. So don't just think it's like, you know, verbose. Nobody's going to use this stuff. Like you're looking at a developer uh, who is actually going to be able to make use of things like this. Now, things that perturb me just a little bit that were announced this week. So Microsoft announced Windows Build 25211, and And they are like triumphing. They're, they're playing the Timmy trumpets, if you get that baseball reference. That if you now right click on the taskbar, they're putting a task manager button back in the context menu. And they are just like shooting confetti. Like this was what annoys me about the tech industry massively. Now, Microsoft isn't the only one that does this. Apple did this with their latest laptops. You're like, look, we put HDMI and bigger USB ports in there because that's what people wanted. It's like, you guys took that away from us. And now you're acting like you're the heroes for listening to feedback for something you screwed up. Now we're back to Windows 11. You know, that's the Apple version. It's like, look, you put Task Manager back where it had been for 20 plus years. And you think that you deserve applause for this? Like you guys screwed up. Now you're making it right. It took you a year to do it. It's not going to ship to everybody for who knows how long, sometime between three and infinity months because we don't actually understand how Microsoft ships updates anymore because is this right-click feature, is that, a, is that an actual 20, 
uh, the two or <laughs> 2023 update or is this going to be a moment update is this going to be a patch tuesday is this going to be a c-class update is this going to come through this freaking nobody anyways rant aside rant aside um <laughs> it just it frustrates me when they get applauded and they applaud themselves and pat themselves on the back for doing something that should have like this should not be a, a, a celebrated event anyways okay over uh <laughs> Anyways, you can go. You can go grab that bill now if you want. Uh, so that is the big sort of window news of the week, right there. Of course, we still don't have tabs in Filex where We don't know we're getting that, but sometime in October. So uh, on to the gaming news of the week. Gaming news of the week. Uh, not a ton of it, although there's one major item which we'll get to here in a second. So Microsoft Flight Simulator is now supporting Canada. They've always supported Canada, but it's the latest quote-unquote world update that is now being, I believe, you can download it now. For Flight Sim, which again, in my opinion, Flight Sim continues to be the sleeper hit on Game Pass. Like, it's such an incredible time. I still play Flight Sim. Just, you know, you're just bored and you just want to kind of veg out. Go do a couple landing challenges. Like, they're fantastic. They're just nice. I almost said they're like the golf of video games. But they kind of are. But there actually is golf of video games. But I mean, it's just such like casual and it can be really stress-free and fun entertainment. And I really quite like it. Cyberpunk, good news for them. They've sold 20 million copies, which this gives me hope for Halo. Hope for Halo. Because if Cyberpunk, which we all know came out of the gates to a critically acclaimed dumpster fire, has been able to turn things around. We've seen this otherwise. We've seen it with No Man's Sky. There is hope for Halo. I actually did a video earlier on it this week, and I think the future of Halo, if it's going to survive, is going to be inside of Forge. Then there have been some crazy rumors coming out this week about a battle royale switching engines to, like, Unreal. We'll have to wait and see, and things are being delayed. And if 343 wasn't in a dumpster fire state, I wouldn't know 343 at all. It always seems like they're kind of running around with their head cut off. Um, in Halo Infinite a little bit more, but either way. And then Microsoft also launched the Mineral Camel, Camo, not Camel, Special Edition Controller. It's sort of a blue camo. If you like blue and you like camo, you're probably going to like this controller. But it's just a base vanilla controller at the end of the day. You've got your share button, nothing else besides uh, the fancy blue sort of... Uh, unapologetically plastic look and finally wrapping up the gaming news this week stadia is done it's over google is going to be refunding everybody who purchased hardware or games basically through them and you're going to get your money back and so it the thing so there's a lot of thoughts here and i did a video earlier this week specifically on it but a couple things to take home one does this impact microsoft's acquisition with blizzard and activision the ABK acquisition. Because at one point, it's like, look, Google has infinite refunds. Refunds. <laughs> Google has infinite funds. They can't crack into the gaming market. Microsoft's in quote-unquote third place in the gaming segment, and they need to spend this money to be able to compete with the higher end. And so I, I think the arguments go both ways that, uh, that, that this could impact Microsoft's trying to close that $70 billion due acquisition. Either way, they are closing it down. And... Um, it's interesting to see what will happen with Google Stadia here. The thing I will be watching most for, the thing I'm going to be looking for, is there any sort of material write-off or write-down for Google? Meaning, was there any sort of material transaction that is actually going to financially impact them on their balance sheet? We don't know yet. Google said they're doing refunds for all this stuff. How much are they refunding? Are we talking, like, 
if they gave us a number, then maybe we could backtrack how many people are actually using Stadia. We all know the number was not great. Google, uh, despite Stadia, Stadia has good technology. I, I genuinely believe that they probably have the best streaming platform or technology out there. I think it's honestly better than uh, what Microsoft does. But at the end of the day, Microsoft got a viable product. I've always said that streaming is a feature, not a product. And that's how Microsoft utilizes it and promotes it. And so we'll have to wait and see if there's a, any material write down for Google out of financial terms, because that will actually tell us like, hey, was anybody using this thing? And we all kind of think the answer was no. So either way, uh, questions this week, my friends, there are lots of questions in the hopper, which is always my favorite part. I'm like really jazzed up. I got a lot of energy this morning, which is good. Good night's sleep. Always a good thing. So here we go. Happy Friday, Brad from Getsonov. And he says, I vaguely remember Loop as a standalone app being presented in a build 2021. I think that's about right. Am I They've been showing off fluid, component, fluid components, which are predate loops for years. Do you have any idea when this might come to pass? Ignite is our bet next best hope. We know that they're testing the loop app, which is supposed to bring all the stuff together. And so if that all does happen and they're in the testing phase where I think they are, then Ignite is more than likely where they're going to start talking about it. Fingers crossed. He says, I'm looking to move from OneNote for something leaner like Notion. Now, I use Notion heavily. It's a great note-taking app, but there is a steeper learning curve to it than, say, something like OneNote. The reason why is Notion is truly just like a blank canvas. If you want some text and you want a table and then you want a database that's linked to a different table and your relations and all that stuff, you can do that all inside of Notion, but not everybody needs it. I primarily use just it for note-taking and and document and a little bit of light project management and that is it's really good for that on a personal level so at this point if you haven't committed to notion or anything else i would give it i would give it until at least ignite to see if they do announce loops to see when it comes out now i more than likely will give loops a good solid spin because it makes a lot more sense to use loops because i'm already in the teams the OneDrives, the sharepoint universe and loops should bring all that stuff in house into single application because right now using it inside of uh notion it doesn't really work and so if they can truly make it so that i can have a spreadsheet and everything else all over the place and, and aggregate it inside of a loop thing that would be very appealing to me so let's just kind of hope that that's how it works out sydney 2k says happy fall brown regarding the design decision by google to shutter its stadia program how do you think this might affect the uk the uk cma into the acquisition of blizzard by microsoft activision blizzard i keep calling it acquisition instead of activision and hit it on hit it hit on this a little bit earlier. I think it's really gonna go neither direction because again, just kind of reiterating, it shows that even if you have unlimited funds, you still need content to be able to break into this market. And Sony could be like, look, Google cannot do this. They can't even get into this market. We need to keep uh, ABK on its own because if they're snatched up, then there's just less competition and nobody else can get into the market. And Microsoft's looking at it and, and going from the position of, we are in third place to Sony and Nintendo. We can never go up that ladder without our own content. And we're going to keep it open. We're going to let everybody be able to use it, but we just want to be able to own it. And so I think it, it can be positioned both ways. I don't think it's going to have any strong impact uh, at the end of the day. Will says, hey, Brad, I would like to ask a Stardock question. So for those who aren't familiar, I work at Stardock. We make Start 11. We make um, fences. We make a lot of cool Windows stuff. Uh, and I love what I do. But anyways... <laughs> not decide. Uh, he says, I'm curious if there has been any consideration of implementing a dynamic wallpaper option option with window blinds. So window blinds is a product we announced this week. It's a nice Mac OS feature that changes the image of the desktop based on the time of the day and be great to have that on Windows. I need to double check. We have a product called Deskscapes and I 
think dynamic wallpapers are part of deskscapes. Uh, I believe that's where we actually have that functionality implemented. So as an aside, if you look, if you don't own any of the uh, Stardock products and you're like farting around over there, look at an object desktop because it's like one payment and you get access to everything. And it's just, it's a more cost effective way to get product access to Start 11, Fences 4, Object Desktop, and Groupie, which are basically core components of everything that I do these days. So uh, yeah, Deskscapes is, is where you need to go look. Meadow Bear says, rip. Stadia. So Google just had the Stadia version of Hot Wheels Unleashed on Stadia Pro subscription a few days ago. They were just rolling out a brand new UI for the browser. Big A, triple A titles like Dead Island 2 were being planned for release next year. It seems this was all based uh, based on all of this. The Stadia shutdown came out of nowhere for the team and partners. Assuming this one is correct, how do you think the shutdown will affect Google's business partnerships from going here on out? So I fully believe that what you just said is accurate that nobody else besides like a few top executives had any idea that google stadia was going to be shut down there were multiple partners on twitter just saying like we were launching games in the next week or so on stadia and they had no idea they were blindsided by this and now they're wondering if they're going to get paid for that work which is not a good thought if you're google um, you don't want to burn bridges in this industry or just any industry i mean in, in general and so i suspect here's what i suspect happens or happened so sundar a couple weeks ago there was a internal thing that le i don't know if it leaked or whatever it just basically said hey like we're really looking at our expenses right now and we're going to make some tough decisions like they shut down their kitty hawk stuff uh and then i think stadia was right on that chopping block and it was just an executive decision it's like look stadia is done and it was kept real tight among the top core group because they didn't want it to leak out. They wanted to come up with a strategy. And so they didn't tell anybody because if they started telling their partners and everybody else, that would have leaked out and that would have just been bad. And Google wanted to control the messaging. And so they controlled it so much that their partners had zero idea. And I think a lot of employees had no idea. And even Google itself, their, their own Stadia account said, hey, we're not shutting down. But that was as of July. I think this came in pretty quick, pretty, pretty hot. And that Sundar and the leadership team said Stadia is done. And so they went and just killed it not long days later it just really just did it and so uh, i think it will impact google going forward in in many ways because google when stadia even launched people were like how many years until google kills this and as it turns out not too many that wasn't all that surprising it's like right, right on the google time track of, of just killing product and here we are again it is killed and now next time google launches literally anything it's gonna be like, well how long until this is killed because that's just the google way like if it doesn't go from zero to a hundred in six months then google just kind of like hey like just really just doesn't care and so yeah Ooh, I think it will have more continued negative impact. I, I really do. Uh, R. Baker, R.L. Baker, I should say. Do you smell what Therat is cooking? I hope not, because that means he's in my house. Uh, as an e Surface, as an SH1 owner, oh, Surface headphone and two owner, the padding of the ear cups and rubber along the bands needs a redesign as they constantly break. That is just Microsoft and, and rubber breaking is just a constant battle. Uh, I'm tempted to go elsewhere, but the pairing and dials are second to none. So I do agree that the dials on the Surface headphones are probably some of the best in the industry. Just the way that they work, you spin the ear cups, you feel like Leia, just you know, tweaking your ears. Uh, that is very good. I will tell you though, from the bottom of my heart, that if you go anywhere, you absolutely have to look at the Sony WXM4. I think it's Sony 1000 WXM4s. I use the XM3s all day, every day, for multiple years now, and they have not broken or degraded in any meaningful way yes there's some patina on there of like how you know just being used but if you have gone through two 
Surface headphones and you're looking outside, the XM4s are better than the current Surface headphones too. They are more comfortable. The, the noise cancellation is better as well. Granted, they don't have the fancy spinning things on them. You have to use some swipes, which are not as good. But once you get past that, I would definitely recommend that. I don't know if we're going to see Surface Headphone 3 this week. I haven't heard that personally. And I want to say that they typically launch those in the spring. I could be wrong on that, though. I might be getting that confused with the other ear things, uh, the ear discs. What are they called? Surface Buds um, that are still floating out around there. So, uh, there is that. Mr. PKI says, since you like security topics this week on the... <laughs> Mr. PKI with the security stuff. What is the most popular security feature in the Windows 11 update that most enterprises have been waiting for and will drive more upgrades from Windows 10 as a result? I don't know if there is one. I will be honest. I don't know if there is one. Obviously, they they elevated the security baseline for what is required in Windows to be able to run the hardware, right? That was the whole TPM uh, 2.0 stuff and the real awkwardness of Microsoft said, hey, here's Windows 11. We're still selling a Surface Studio 2. It didn't meet specs. And then suddenly the specs curved around and suddenly now uh, worked on the Surface Studio. I don't honestly know if there is one. That realistically, like, so we, it's it's funny you mentioned this stuff because Stardock sells a product called Start 10 and we also have a product called Start 11. Basically what this does is it makes the taskbar and start menu allow you to put it back to way well, nature intended effectively, right? You can either have it on the left, whatever. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. We can chart effectively, we think, uh, corporate adoption of an OS based on how that sells and where it sells. We're starting to see Start 11 for business, which is the business skew of the product, actually start to move a little bit more, which would mean that we're seeing that more corporate adoption. And basically what they're doing, based on conversations with the customers, is they're putting the Start menu back on the left and making it uh, a classic style menu. And so that Windows 10 and Windows 11 look honestly exactly the same. That's the whole point. So then the end user has no idea what machine they're on. Doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Windows is an appliance. It's your dishwasher. It just needs to exist, but it doesn't need to be fancy. And so from a security perspective, I don't know if there's a specific one that they're all salivating at to get there. There are some updates and some hardening um, inside the OS that are good, but we've also kind of heard that maybe they're coming being backported to Windows 10, because let's be honest, the more interesting question I have related to Windows 10 and Windows 11 security is, when is Windows 10 actually going to reach end of life? Supposedly, it's in 20, I believe, 2025. And that is not far along. I mean, that's not far away. And given how low the penetration rate is based on our own internal data of Windows 11 uh, in the enterprise world or just across the universe, hitting that date is going to be tough. Like, it's going to be tough to get people to move, that many people to move from 10 to 11 in the next three years. So... We will see. I think all, a lot of eyes included are wondering when Windows 10 will reach truly reach end of life. Microsoft, I do not expect to say anything about that for at least two more years. They don't want to get the perception that they are even considering extending the life cycle of Windows 10. They know that they have to wait until the last minute to get many people to move. Because if they suddenly come out and say, look, we're going to support it for five more years, then nobody is going to be moving. And so they want people to move and upgrade. And so do the hardware vendors because it sells more hardware. So, uh, Mr. Pete Guy with the second question. I know you tried out the Call of Duty beta recently. Yes, I did. I played a lot of it last weekend. Uh, are there th are the three-day beta tests actually meaningful and useful as they are old builds or very limited time to actually test anything? Do you think they're going to delay the launch to deal with all the lobby and user experience issues when trying to join a game? So, 
Couple things. I played a ton of the beta. I played with a, a bunch of friends. It was a lot of fun. The core game of Modern Warfare that is coming out, Modern Warfare 2, is great. I really, really liked it. The UI is an abomination. They tried to change up the UI and it's not good. Now, Treyarch has already said, look, we're addressing feedback. We appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. That's great and wonderful. Depending on how old that UI build is, really kind of makes us wonder because they only have a month, right? You can't rebuild the entire UI in a month. Also, it's really bad. The I didn't experience have any issues people joining, but what's really hard to tell is when how many people are in your room. In the current Call of Duty universe, if you're on the, the lobby waiting screen, it will actually show you like your four friends stand literally standing and walking doing this little animation in the room. Right now, if you want to know how many people are in your room, you have to look to the top right corner and it's like four little bubbles. You can't tell who it is and it's a couple button clicks to actually pull it up. It's, it's not a great UI experience. I don't know why they went this route and didn't just stick with it. Either way, I do think that these betas are actually useful. Granted, yes, they can get some gun caliber feedback and get other stuff, but I think from another different perspective is actually the stability of the platform. Remember, it, it was iconic that every time a Call of Duty launched, all the servers around the world would just sort of tip over and they couldn't deal with capacity. It happened every time. And so I think when they launch these betas, they actually get some pretty good data on the back. It's like, hey, is our infrastructure scaling as expected? Because I believe there are some significant engine updates as well with this version of Call of Duty. So I do think that they are helpful, but they're not going to be... I mean, you can't change the game in a month. You can tweak things, you can refine things, but I'm not expecting to see a complete overhaul in the next 30 days of uh, with Call of Duty here. Rob Segal says, Related to Google's cancellation of Stadia, Related to that, what are your thoughts about consumer confidence and future Google services? Rightly or wrongly, this or, there is a perception that Google cancels or changes service and apps all the time. Yeah, just look at their messaging apps. Should Google adjust their expectations for consumer traction to rebuild lost... I don't know, how do they do that? It, it's... The only way Google could do that is like they launch an app and say, this app will be supported for 10 years guaranteed. And I can promise you, Google will not do that. Uh, unless it's an enterprise product, maybe they would. But even then, 10 years is a lot because if you're a company adopting it, saying, look, every few years we got to wait and see, is Google going to continue this product is a very scary proposition. And that is that goes for Microsoft as well. Microsoft isn't really known for canceling the enterprise stuff at the end of the day. But still, that is sort of the, the downside of going all in on the cloud. Like you go to a merchant or whatever and you invest all your resources in building their infrastructure. And if they go away, your whole entire company could collapse. And so Stadia... While not quite the same, not quite same to that to that depth, it every consumer should buy into a Google service product and be a little bit cautious because there's a lot of precedents that hey, they might just cancel this thing and then I'm out of luck. So thankfully, Google is doing the right thing and giving refunds for everybody who bought their hardware and their games through them, and so that is a good thing, and that gives some confidence. But at the end of the day, if they didn't do that, well, I think they would have been on the the bad end of a lot of lawsuits. So. And the Joe Finn wrapping up. I don't know why I've rolled my tongue like three times uh, while recording this. I'm just, whatever. Uh, the Joe Finn wrapping up the week. He says, I prefer to use a controller to game on Windows. Will there ever be able to play Xbox games on Windows without a physical Xbox in the loop? Microsoft has made progress towards closing the gap between what is a PC game and what is an Xbox game. Not yet, but I suspect, I suspect long term that that gap will fully close because Microsoft could and should, in my opinion, do it. At this point... And this is kind of goes back to that NVIDIA conversation. Like we've reached the cusp of like what makes sense for, I, I qualify that statement. 
it appears we've reached the cusp of like what kind of makes sense like we can already do 4k gaming at over 60 frames per second and i'm sure with the top end hardware we can get closer to 120 i i would bet we could do that with you know the, the top end hardware today which means like what's the next great what's the next great thing and so once you get past that the point of the diminishing returns just really start to amplify so let's imagine the next xbox console is truly just an intel 13th gen processor with a 4090 ti in it and then it is just a pc just sits in your living room running a custom os but the game is the actual same i think micro for microsoft that is a very very lucrative proposition then the only thing the developer has to do is just code in the controller functionality and bada bing bada boom uh you've got all your xbox stuff and everything that you need so i think it would be crazy for Microsoft not to pursue that. I don't know exactly when it will come to fruition, but at the same time, uh, it it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. And plus, it seems like they would get a lot more games if you could truly just take any PC game and put it on a console. Now, one of the things that they probably get nervous about is like people are going to stop building custom games, custom interfaces potentially for the console. Because remember, they got to have the fully Xbox integrated experience. So it's not just quite like you can take something from Steam and put it on Xbox. But Microsoft's good at building those bridges and allowing that to happen. And I suspect that they are pushing towards that. So there you go, my friends. That is a week in a nutshell in about 20, 22 minutes, something around there is my guess. I don't actually have a running timer. But that's usually where this ends up. So with that being said, my friends, as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the wonderful questions. Have a wonderful week. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.